part four chapter two of a vital question or what is to be done by nikolai chernyshevsky translated by nathan haskell dole eighteen fifty two to nineteen thirty five and others this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part four second marriage chapter two petersburg august twenty fifth eighteen fifty six dear sir you will understand what a degree of happiness your letter gave me with all my soul i thank you for it your intimacy with the late dmitri sergeitch gives me the right to regard you as my friend allow me to use this appellation in every word which you quoted can be seen dmitri sergeitch's character he was constantly seeking for the most secret causes of his actions and he took pleasure in describing them to his theory of egotism by the way this is the common custom of all of our society my alexander is also fond of analyzing his motives in exactly the same spirit if you had only heard how he explained his behavior towards me and dmitri sergeitch in the course of three years you would learn if his words were to be taken literally that he did everything through egotistical calculation for his own pleasure and i long ago learned this custom it interests alexander and me a trifle less than it interested dmitri sergeitch we agree with him entirely but he has a stronger drawing towards it yes if one were to hear us all three of us would be taken to be such egotists as the world has never seen and maybe this is true maybe there never were such egotists what think you yes it seems likely but besides this characteristic common to us three in dmitri sergeitch's words there is another which belongs exclusively to his situation apparently the aim of his explanations was to give me peace not that his words lack sincerity no he would never say what he does not think but he brings out too strongly only that element of the truth which can calm me my friend i am very grateful for it but i too am an egoistka i shall tell you that he vainly worried over my peace of mind we justify ourselves much easier than we are justified by others and i to tell the truth do not consider myself in any way blameworthy before him i will say further i do not even feel that i owe him any gratefulness i prize his nobility oh how deeply but i know that he was noble not for my sake but his own for i when i was not false to him was not false not for his sake but for myself not because falsity would be injurious to him but to myself i said that i did not blame myself just as he did but just as he did i feel an inclination to justify myself according to his words which were very just this means i have a presentiment that others will not be as lenient as i am towards myself in exempting me from the blame of certain parts of my behaviour i do not feel any desire whatsoever to justify myself for that part of the affair in which he justified himself and on the contrary i want to justify myself for that part in which he had no need for giving justification in all that happened until i had my dream there was nothing for which anybody will blame me i am convinced but afterwards was not i the cause of the affair taking such a melodramatic course and brought about such a terrible catastrophe ought i not to have looked much more rationally on that change of relations which was unavoidable after my dream had for the first time revealed to me and dmitri sergeitch his situation and mine the very evening of the day on which dmitri sergeitch committed suicide 
i had a long talk with a formidable rakhmatov and what a kind tender-hearted man he is he told me god knows what horrible things about dmitri sergeitch but if i repeated them in a friendly tone to dmitri sergeitch instead of in the harsh as it were unfriendly tone which rakhmatov used well they may be true i suspect that dmitri sergeitch understood well what rakhmatov was going to say to me and that this formed a part of his calculation yes at that time it was necessary for me to listen to it it calmed me greatly and whoever might have arranged for that talk i acknowledge my gratitude for it to you my friend but even the formidable rakhmatov had to acknowledge that in the last part of the affair dmitri sergeitch acted finely rakhmatov blamed him only for the first half and for this he was justifying himself i am going to justify myself though nobody has told me that i was to blame for it but for every one of us i am speaking about you and our friends about all our circle there is a severer than even rakhmatov and this is our own conscience yes i comprehend my friend that it would have been far easier for all concerned if i had looked at the matter more simply and had not given to it a too tragical importance according to dmitri sergeitch's view it should have been put this way more strongly although there would have been no need of having recourse to a conclusion so theatrical and trying for all of us yet he was led to it only by the superfluous vehemence of my anxiety i understand how it must have seemed so to him although he did not charge you to put that view of it before me so much the more i appreciate his kind disposition towards me that it was not diminished even though he held such an opinion but just listen a moment my friend it is not entirely just it is not by any means unjust it was not from my fault it was not from my superfluous anxiety that the absolute necessity came upon dmitri sergeitch of examining into what he himself frequently called a trying situation true if i had not attributed an excessive importance to the change in our relations it might have been possible to escape the difficulty without the journey to riazan but he said that it was not trying for him and so there would not have been still greater misfortunes arising from my exalted views only the necessity of making way with himself was trying for dmitri sergeitch he explained the unavoidableness of this decision of his by two reasons i was suffering from an excessive feeling of gratitude towards him i was suffering because i could not enter into those relations with alexander which are demanded by the conditions of society in reality i was not thoroughly at ease i was oppressed by the situation until he made way with himself but he did not suspect the essential reason the thought that his appearance oppressed me with an excessive burden of gratitude was not absolutely true a person is very much inclined to seek for reasons which may lighten a trying situation and at the time when dmitri sergeitch saw the necessity of making way with himself this reason for it was no longer in existence my gratitude to him had long before been modified to such a degree that it became a pleasant feeling and only this reason was connected with my previous exalted view of the matter the other reason which dmitri sergeitch adduced the desire to give to my relations with alexander a character such as is recognized that reason had nothing to do with my view of the matter it resulted from the ideas of society i was powerless over it but dmitri sergeitch was entirely mistaken 
and thinking that his presence would have been hard for me on account of that reason no it might have been arranged otherwise even without the necessity of his committing suicide if it had been necessary and had been satisfactory to me our position had that rare peculiarity that all the three persons who were concerned in it were of equal strength if dmitri sergeitch had felt that alexander were his superior in intellect culture or character if while yielding his place to alexander he would through a superiority of mental strength if his refusal had not been from good will instead of the yielding of a stronger to a weaker then of course i should have had no cause to be burdened likewise if i had been in intellect or character much stronger than dmitri sergeitch if until my relations with alexander had received their full development he had been what has been well characterized by a story over which you will remember we were at one time all greatly amused the story of how two gentlemen met in the foyer of the opera engaged in conversation with each other took a fancy to each other and wanted to get better acquainted i am lieutenant so-and-so says the one introducing himself and i am the husband of madame tedesco said the other introducing himself if dmitri sergeitch had been the husband of madame tedesco then of course there would have been no necessity of his committing suicide he would have been under such subjection and humiliation and if he had been a noble man he would see in the fact of his humiliation nothing offensive to himself and all would be well but dmitri's relation towards me and alexander was in no respect analogous he was not a hair's breadth lower or weaker than either of us and we knew it and he knew it his concession was not the result of weakness oh not at all it was merely the result of his good will wasn't that so my friend you cannot deny it therefore in what situation did i find myself placed and this my friend contains the whole essence of the matter i saw myself in a situation of dependence on his good will and so my situation was trying to me and therefore he saw himself compelled to the heroic decision of putting himself out of the way yes my friend the cause of my feeling which compelled him to it lay much deeper than his explanation given in your letter the overwhelming weight of gratefulness was no longer in existence to satisfy the claims of society would have been easy in the way that dmitri sergeitch suggested yes the claims of society would never affect me living in my own little circle which is entirely free from such claims but i was still dependent upon dmitri sergeitch my situation had as its foundation only his good will and that was not self-existent and that was the reason why it was hard for me now judge you could this cause be removed by this view of a change in our relations or by the other the importance lay not in my views of it but in the fact that dmitri sergeitch was a man of independence who acted according to his own will though it was a good will yes my friend you know and you approve of my feeling i do not want to be dependent upon the good will of any one no matter who it may be though it were a man most devoted to me though i respected him though i might trust him as i do myself though i absolutely knew that he would always rejoice to do whatever i needed that my happiness was as dear to him as to myself yes my friend i do not need your assurance i know that you approve of it but after all why all this talk this self-analysis which reveals the most hidden motives of feelings which could not be penetrated by any one yet with me as with dmitri sergeitch this self-confession is made for my own benefit so that i might say 
I am not to blame here. The matter depended on something that was beyond my control. I make this remark because Dmitri Sergeyitch was fond of such remarks. I want to praise myself before you, my friend. But enough of this. Footnote. Perhaps the sapient reader will heartily agree. You felt so much sympathy for me that you did not grudge spending several hours' time in writing your long letter. And oh, how precious it was to me. I see from this letter how diplomatically I have learned to write, in a style like Dmitri Sergeyitch's or yours. Yes, from this and only from this, I see how interesting it will be for you to know what happened to me after Dmitri Sergeyitch took leave from me on his way to Moscow, with the intention of returning and disappearing. After his return from Ryazan, he saw that I was disturbed. This disturbance was manifested only on his return. While he was staying in Ryazan, I, to tell you the truth, did not think about him much. No, not as much as you might suppose, judging by what he saw after his return. But when he left for Moscow, I saw that he had something particular in view. It was noticeable that he wound up his business in Petersburg. It was evident that for a week he was waiting for their final issue in order to go, and then, how could it happen otherwise, during the last days I noticed the melancholy in his face, that face which was so clever at hiding mysteries. I anticipated that something decisive was in prospect, and when he took his place in the car I felt so sad, so sad. On the next day I was melancholy. On the third day I got up still more oppressed, and suddenly Masha brought me a letter. What a tormenting moment it was, what a tormenting hour, what a tormenting day you can imagine. And so, my friend, now more than ever, I know my attachment to Dmitri Sergeyitch. I myself did not realize that it was so powerful. Yes, my friend, I now know its strength. You too know, because you must certainly know that on that very day I decided to give up Alexander. All day I felt that my life was ruined, poisoned forever. Can you imagine my childish exultation when I saw my kind friend's note, which entirely changed the current of my thoughts? You see how careful my expressions are. I want you to be satisfied with me, my friend. You know all this because Rachmatov went to escort me to the train. Dmitri Sergeyitch and he were right in saying that it was necessary for me to leave Petersburg for the accomplishment of the effect, for the sake of which Dmitri Sergeyitch did not scruple to leave me all day a prey to the most terrible tortures. How thankful I am to him for this unmercifulness. He and Rachmatov were also right in advising Alexander not to come to me nor to escort me but I had no necessity of going to Moscow. It was only necessary for me to go as far as Moscow, so I stopped at Novgorod. A few days later, Alexander came there and brought the documents in regard to Dmitri Sergeyitch's suicide. We were married a week after the suicide, and we lived a month on the railroad in Chudov, so that Alexander might be enabled to go three or four times a week to the hospital. Yesterday, we returned to Petersburg, and here is the reason that I have been so long answering your letter. It lay in Masha's drawer, and she had entirely forgotten about it. And you must have thought, God knows what, at not having received an answer during all this time. I salute you, dear friend, yours, Vera Kirsanova. I press your hand, my dear, but please don't write any compliments to me, else I shall pour out before you my whole soul, and a perfect flood of encomiums on your nobleness which would be the worst thing imaginable, and do you know what I think? 
does it not prove the presence of a pretty good amount of stupidity both in you and in me by writing each other only a few lines it seems as though it proved that both of us felt ourselves embarrassed however on my part it is excusable but what excuse have you but the next time we shall be able to argue freely and i shall write you a heap of news yours alexander kirsanov end of part four chapter two recording by expatriate in bangor maine